How could circular design thinking turn textile waste into multiple forms of value? Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we explore how circular, regenerative and fair solutions are better for people, planet and prosperity. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll hear from entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our monthly edition of Circular Insights. Hey, welcome to episode 92. Today, we're off to Africa to hear from Elmar Strumer, founder of Africa Collect Textiles, ACT. Africa Collect Textiles does exactly that, collecting used textiles across Africa for reuse, recycling and upcycling. Elmar Strumer has a strong background in the circular economy and design and finished his master's in strategic product design at the Technical University of Delft, TU Delft, back in 2007. He worked with TU Delft and other organisations on several textile sorting and recycling projects. From 2012 until 2017, Elmar lived in Kenya and Uganda to get Africa Collect Textiles up and running. Elmar also started up a design office for Design Without Borders, and he's recently worked for design studio Regs, managing clients like Heineken and AMD. In 2018, Elmar won the Circular Design Award from Rabobank and Desco for a 3D woven chaiselong from recycled denim. These days, Elmar's working full-time on the expansion of ACT in Kenya and Nigeria. ACT aims to develop solutions to end the textile waste issues across Africa. It distributes free and affordable clothing to underprivileged communities and currently has over 40 collection points in Nairobi and Lagos for used textiles. It provides employment to more than 50 people who help collect, sort and upcycle fashion waste, used uniforms and offcuts, creating products like rugs, backpacks, toys and much more. On top of this, for every kilogram of used textiles it collects, Africa Collect Textiles donates 10 Kenyan shillings to charity. We hear about how fashion waste imported from the global north has undermined the existing textile and clothing sector across Kenya, and why Elmar decided to create a circular economy for locally produced textiles. Elmar tells us about some of the circular design initiatives that ACT has set up, including repurposing workshops, services for resellers that overcome some of the major issues with the system for reselling imported end-of-use textiles, and innovative ways of repurposing end-of-life clothing for local businesses. Let's get started with the conversation, and I'll be back afterwards to share my takeaways with you. Elmar, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you. Hi. I'm really interested to talk about the the topic we've got today, to hear more about your business, Africa Collect Textiles, but also to understand more about the big problems with global fashion waste. So could we start by asking you to 
explain that a bit to us. I think people know that the problem is sizable. Um, there's an awful lot of fashion waste. But what happens to all those different types of fashion waste is probably a bit unclear. Yeah, it's um, something that we are working on um, also to make it more visible. Um, so the Global North is collecting a lot of used textiles and uh, the best of the best is sold within those countries. Um, then there is a lot of, yeah, they call it B-quality clothing that is sold to Eastern Europe, but also to, um, to the Global South. And um, we are looking at uh, the issues that it causes in... Um, especially in Kenya and Nigeria. Uh, but there is a huge amount of textiles and uh, second-hand clothing going to these countries. And um, because there is a lack of proper collection, sorting and recycling infrastructure, um, these uh, items cause a lot of problems. And that is on the one hand, uh, because these items are not made or not designed with uh, circularity in mind, so they don't have a value at the end of its life. Um, and um, yeah, we, we are basically um, yeah, sending on purpose or selling on purpose uh, items or products that to countries without a, an adequate um, infrastructure to process that waste. Mm, sure. And as well as just the, the amount and the kind of the fact that it's the lower quality end of what's available. I guess people assume that what's being exported is things that they've perhaps donated or put in a textile bank or something similar, um, even taken back to shops like H&M that have those collection practices. But it's not just that, is it? Um, you know, it, it's, it's production waste and, um, you know, maybe you could explain, you know, some of the sort of sizable flows in that yeah so um some studies show that uh, about 30 40 percent of what is sent is is waste upon arrival and that is on the one hand items with with stains uh with holes in them but also a lot of unsellable items that can be also sizes that are so uncommon that there is just no buyer for them or certain materials that just don't fit with the climate and in the beginning of the chain, and um, I've, I've been to, to sorting facilities and I've talked to a lot of sorters in, uh, in the Netherlands. And of course, everybody uh, would say that they don't uh, send waste. Um, and But the, the, the system is, is rather complex. It's not that the Netherlands when, when or Germany or any other well-off uh, country is collecting all those items. Um, that they sort them themselves. Sometimes they first separate or like take out the trash and then sometimes it is sorted within the borders, but sometimes it's also sold to another country, to Germany or to Poland, uh, Lithuania. Um, so the sorting takes place everywhere, also in the US and Australia and uh, even China, South Korea. Um, so when, when, we, when we say there is a lot of waste being shipped and, and and look into like how is that possible but it's 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 not easy to just pinpoint some aggressor or like a like mm. one cause i think it is also for the sorter uh, because the sorters um they they complain a lot about the quality of 
the items that they collect or that they buy from collectors. Um, because in the last 10 years, the quality went down drastically. Mm. So the whole system is kind of set up to make it easy for the sorter to overestimate the value of the of the waste and, and not to be able to um, do something that that feels fairer and more accurate. And thinking about the problems that this causes in Africa, as well as the challenges of trying to make money by reselling or repurposing the waste that you've just bought as a, as a reseller or a, a collector. Mm. Um, when we were talking ahead of the podcast, you were you were explaining how it undercut local textile manufacturing because now there's a surplus of imported wearable stuff. Yeah. So in the last 20 to 30 years, the, the fashion industry uh, in Kenya has, has, has declined uh, drastically. It has shrunk. And um, that's because it is very challenging to compete with second-hand clothing from, from uh, the global north because um, there are some advantages uh, in that in that clothing um, in the secondhand clothing uh, sector because uh, it, it offers a lot of style it's international brands and um, these items are sold in Kenya for example for one euro for a polo for a t-shirt and maybe two three four euros for jeans um, and for the local fashion industry to compete with that is very challenging because making new products for that price is very very difficult mm. like if you go to bangladesh or china then the jeans is, is easily the cost price of the jeans is easily 15 euros or something so um for the fashion brands um to compete with the second-hand clothing from the global north is is, is nearly impossible um it doesn't mean that there's no textile industry left in Kenya or, or in Nigeria, but what is left is basically focused on export. Mm. So there are clothes made, there's actually quite developed uh, still left there, but it is 10, 20% of what it was uh, 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, but there is a, sec uh, a textile industry left, um, but it is focused on, on, on the export. So it is an, um, yeah, it's focused on, on exporting these materials to, to Europe or the US. And the fashion brands that are left, that are focusing on the local market, they focus on on the high end market. So it is, uh, so of course, the about 70, 80 percent of all Kenyans uh, wear secondhand uh, clothes. Um, but there's, of course, still a, a big group, especially in the cities that are buying new clothes and are very, uh, yeah, in, that are sensitive for, for very fashionable and high-end uh, items. And um, so if you are a fashion designer, a Kenyan fashion designer, they focus mostly on that group, which is, of course, a small one. Yes, yes. Gosh, it sounds, sounds um, all very complicated and shocking to hear just how much the local textile industry has declined over the last number of years. So going back a number of years now to I think around 2012 was when you started getting interested in how to solve this problem and you set up Africa to Collect Textiles. So can you give us a, a quick overview and we'll, we'll come back to more about the operations later, but give us a quick overview of 
you know, how it started, where you're based now, um, some of the, the numbers to, to kind of bring it to life a bit. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I got to understand this, this challenge uh, about nine or 10 years ago uh, when I was also doing some projects in the Netherlands on textile recycling. I got to understand the, the whole, uh, yeah, the end of the chain or the, the yeah, the last steps of, of the t-shirts and um, I find it very fascinating and I was working with one of the collectors in the in the Netherlands. Um, at some point I um, uh, we decided to to look into if it would be possible to collect textiles again in Kenya because uh, back then a lot of Dutch items end up in Kenya um, and there are a lot of people that feel very bad about uh, uh, killing the fashion industry and then killing nature because a lot of these items eventually end up in the rivers or are uncontrollably burned uh, in, the, in the open air. So we looked into okay, what, what is actually happening with, with the second hand clothing and can we collect it again and what can we do with those uh, materials again. So we started to collect already in 2013, 2014, to see uh, what would happen if we would do that. And it actually went quite well. So we put up collection bins um, in shopping malls and supermarkets and uh, did some promotion and asked people to, to donate uh, the clothes that they don't use anymore. And the results were very positive and there was also wearable items uh, in there. Um, so it, well, my life went a little bit all over the place. We had many ups and downs, but um, I, uh, I had another job at some point in Uganda. Uh, and then I went back to the Netherlands. In the meantime, I kept the, the, the program alive together with my business partner, Alex uh, Musambi. And we um, uh, decided to try to get more funding to grow the program. And just before COVID, we landed some uh, uh, some uh, some investments and um, had the opportunity to uh, to grow the collection network. Act Kenya is run by Alex Musembi and Act Nigeria is uh, run by Eno Andrew Andrew Sien. Uh, so they are also founders of the company and uh, they are managing um, the entities. So my role is um, getting clients uh, from Europe um, and. Uh, getting uh, raising funds and also um, yeah tell the story about this this problem uh, to uh, everybody that is involved and uh, maybe is not aware that they that this is the end result of, of of their work or of the fashion industry. And so, give us a feel for how how it where it's got to now in terms of the you know number of jobs that you've created, the amount of textiles that you've stopped from going to landfill yeah so, so well currently we have uh, 35 collection points in uh, nairobi and 10 in lagos nigeria so we ask uh, the the general public to to donate the items that they don't use anymore it doesn't matter if it's wearable or not wearable um then we take it we sort it uh, we make sure that the wearable items can be worn again uh, some items are given away some items are sold uh, then we are also selling some recyclable materials and we do uh, some upcycling ourselves. Uh, we are now with 16 people in uh, Nairobi and uh, three in Lagos. And um, we um, 
besides sorting, we, we have tailors and weavers. And we are now upcycling a number of uh, materials into backpacks, uh, toys, pillows, uh, pencil cases. And we supply different shops, uh, about six shops now in Kenya. And we have a distributor in the Netherlands. And uh, we uh, supply a number of companies uh, yeah, with, with items that we are, that are in most cases 100% upcycled. Um, so um, yeah, so we are, we are doing in that sense quite well. So our our upcycling workshop is is almost fully booked until the end of the year, and uh, we are now preparing uh, the next steps. Uh, so we, in our model, we have def defined a number of steps. So first step is let's collect large volumes, and next to post-consumer waste, we are also collecting uniforms and uh, offcuts, but we also refuse a lot of materials because we simply do not have the space for that. Mm. Um, second step was to establish a um, an upcycling workshop whereby we are manually upcycling uh, materials into new products. And then the next step is what we are now preparing is a mechanically um, a processing textile waste also in order for us to process many more uh, like much more volume because we had to we have to refuse a lot of uh, items also in the in, in the uniform space there's a lot of materials available and um, too much to 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 process uh, manually so we need to invest in a number of machines uh, to process that uh, uh, these these materials into uh, filling uh, felts and later on to recover the fibers back that can be spun again into new yarn. Mm. So you've got a, a full range of um, recycling options kind of in, in the pipeline um, in order to, because, uh, you know, I think people are aware that a lot of textile recycling does end up as filling for car seats and wadding and that kind of thing. But, yeah. you know, the, the, the challenge is to get it back into fibers suitable to be used for the same kind of textile and just yeah. to, just to come back on just to, to make sure i've understood about the 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 inflows if you like to the operation so you started off collecting from consumers in europe um, and now you're collecting from consumers in kenya and nigeria as well yeah. as as well as in europe and no, no, no. We so I we have nothing to do with the with the textile collection in in Europe. Mm. Um, so our our mindset is is that um, uh, affordable clothing or secondhand clothing doesn't have to come from Europe because mm. it's actually causing a lot of problems. If if resellers um, require uh, merchandise to sell. Uh, and uh, the only thing that is available is, is secondhand clothing from Europe. Then all these problem arises, and then people would people can send whatever they like. But what we try to do is to show that secondhand clothing doesn't have to come from uh, Europe. So also uh, the, the the money that is also spent on that also remains within the country. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we try to basically make use of what is already there. And there is a lot of people that have clothing in their closets uh, being idle. And there's everywhere in the world people grow bigger and lose weight or 
uh, kids are growing and uh, or don't like styles anymore of certain items. Um, so also um, in Nairobi and in, in Lagos, where we are mostly active, there's a lot of people that say, yes, uh, I would love to get rid of some, some of these clothes because I will never wear them again. And that is what we try to facilitate. And one of the interesting things that um, ACT ACT has done is to help restructure the reselling process. So at the beginning, you were telling us about the difficulties and the challenges of that, of buying these big bales that you've paid money for and not really knowing whether what you find in there is going to be good quality or not. You might mm-hmm. you might even see something and think that looks like new material. And then when you unpack it, it turns out to be damaged in production or, or whatever. So it kind of looked OK from the outside and you've ended up with something that's practically worthless. So how, how have you gone about restructuring that reselling process and you know, how's it different and what are the advantages? Yeah, so so the, the normal uh, system, uh, the, the items that are coming from, from uh, the Global North, um, at least in Kenya, and uh, it goes to Gikomba first, uh, to the, the biggest second-hand market of uh, East Africa. Uh, there is a specific area where those bills are being sold as a bill sometimes, so people can buy the whole bill. Or in some cases, there is also a bit of like an uh, like a sort of like an auction system, whereby bills are uh, are cut open, and then uh, the first person can pick, let's say, like ten items for one euro piece. The second uh, person can pick ten items for ninety cents, and then uh, until you have uh, some some waste left. So that system is um, is. is it's pretty intense. Uh, it's pretty harsh. Um, people are fighting over the best uh, bills and the best qualities. Um, you need to wake up very early also. You need to be there at four o'clock in the morning. Otherwise, you don't get uh, the, the, the good stuff. Um, and uh, for we- many women, that is, that is, that is a, a huge challenge. Uh, or women that are reselling uh, secondhand clothes. And... Um, so um, and it's also for many people not accessible because you need to yeah you need to have the right connections and you need to have the, uh, some money to to invest in that. So because we are not uh, locked or our system is not um, uh, constrained by shipping containers and fifty kilo bills, we we had the opportunity to rethink uh, this, this system. So we collect clothing um, and we make smaller packages five to 10 uh, kgs, and uh, we bring it to people. So um, and uh, these are amounts that a person can sell in, in, in a, on a market day, for example. So the same day, you can double or triple uh, the money. Um, so what we do, some of the, 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 the wearable items, they um, uh, they go to, to uh, women. We, we work now with about, uh, I think, 37 women um, that are focusing on specific uh, types, uh, um, dresses or, or shirts or whatever. And then uh, we supply them and then they can uh, make money of them. And of course, it is much cheaper. Our collected materials are uh, much cheaper than, than imported second-hand clothes because we don't uh, deal with import taxes and shipping from the other side of the planet so um 
uh, this is a, a fraction uh, of, of the price of, of imported uh, secondhand clothes. And that makes it, of course, very interesting for, for people to make uh, a little bit of money on. But one of our biggest challenges is indeed to, to, to notify people, to, yeah, to, to normalize uh, textile uh, donation and, and collection. Uh, and that is something that we are uh, yeah, working on every day. I think it sounds as if you you know trying to make those system scale changes, and I think that could be really transformational. It's it's, it's incredibly interesting. And just to come back to the upcycling that you do in in the workshop and so on, you talked about um, uh, pillows. I think in the in UK terminology we'd call those cushions. So you know they're meant mm. to go on your sofa and so on rather than on your bed, uh, and rugs and bags and things like that. And some of those can be bought direct from your your website for certain countries. Yeah. Um, any? Do you want to list list a few countries so people can perhaps go and um, look up on the website and and see if there's something they want to buy as a gift? Yeah, from from our website, it is it is best to to order that when when you are living in Kenya and Nigeria. We it's, it's for us not that easy to ship all over the world. Okay. Uh, that's why we are working with a, a distributor in the Netherlands. Um, that is that is one. Um, it's called Nick and Mick. Um, so they they are also selling our our products. So that is uh, so when you are living in Germany, the Netherlands, or Belgium, or even UK, it is better to order from there. Um, but we definitely need to expand on on our uh, distribution and uh, selling points. So that is that is something that we are working on. Um, uh, in the beginning, we thought like we, we would like to focus on the local markets uh, because we, we have the feeling that we can, yeah, this is just the beginning and we can create so many items that that um, that are suitable for, for the local market and you don't want to keep on shipping uh, materials up and down. But on the other hand, it is also a huge opportunity. Eh? Like um, Europe is selling wearable items or like clothing to, to African nations, but yeah, we should also sell something back in another shape uh, using uh, creativity and, and the skills and the crafts that, uh, that are available. So um, it's definitely a huge opportunity, but we we also need to to work on our sales network. Yes, a, a, another challenge for you then, <laughs> in yeah, amongst all, all the other ones changing. on your on your to do list. Yeah. And Elmar, I'm curious to know what triggered your interest in this in the first place, because your background is is product design, um, yeah. and you've you've done a master's in that at, at TU Delft. Um, so how how did how did you transition from designing products to getting involved in the other end of the supply chain? Yeah, that that is that is a good question. So like I I find it fascinating. On on the one hand, I thought like when I got to understand this this uh, this textile uh, chain and and how far it away is from on, from being circular, and also when you compare it with with uh, paper and uh, and plastic. It's just uh, so far behind, and uh, that, that has all kinds of reasons. Because we are dealing with organic and, and oil-based materials, it's it's one big uh, mix. But um, yeah, so I I felt that I still feel there is so much that can be improved, 
Um, and yes, I, I still think in products. So I, I am not into, uh, I'm not a fashion designer, which is also a bit of a limitation sometimes, but that's why we, we work with fashion designers. But uh, yeah, so when, when I see waste or, or, or certain waste streams, I, I, I see something like a filling or like a, something you make a product with. Um, but uh, yeah, we definitely need to look into the, to the, um, yeah, fashion side uh, of it as well, uh, especially uh, to to take it apart, but also to to redesign it into wearable items at some point. Uh, so we we have done projects to to um, um, to upcycle denim waste into wearable jackets, but then we always work with uh, with fashion designers. Um, but in, in in general, I I think it I, I found it uh, fascinating. I think it's also something that I can really feel that, that there is so much to be done, and it's also that I, I I get triggered because I have been in 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 product development, but um, yeah, I, this is really sort of like uh, I, yeah my passion now, and um, and I also see what what also drives me uh, is that. I see with with little changes or with with little ideas, uh, we can have a huge impact. And and uh, as an example, we we, we make um, uh, rocks, uh, carpets out of denim, and it's it's just uh, we we looked at uh, all the denim that we collected and also the denim that is available on on the secondhand market that is just you know ending at up in the rivers at some point, and. Um, and uh, we we connected it with with typical Kenyan crafts uh, like uh, carpet weaving. It's normally done with cheap wool, and uh, just by replacing materials and and trying and redesigning basically the 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 the, the, yeah, the way it is done, but also the the the, the item itself. Um, yeah, we created a totally new uh, product, and um, and I I believe that this is just the beginning, and also we. We first worked with a number of uh, weavers, weaving studios. Uh, we still do when we have big orders. We can outsource this, this, uh, um, this, this product to them. But also, we we established uh, our own small uh, weaving studio with uh, with two or three people. And um, yeah, the we are we are we are setting up. We are creating um, yeah jobs that are long lasting and that had like a. a a continuous and, and, and reliable salary because uh, what you see a lot in, in Kenya is that people people are uh, it's it's very um, unreliable it's, it's it's very you you don't know when when the next uh, paycheck is coming or when the next order is coming in and I think this is a, this is for us uh, a huge challenge but also for me very rewarding what what eventually the result is because for example we work with uh, uh margaret uh, amimo it's our head uh weavestress and uh, we worked first with another weaving studio but it was very badly managed and it was difficult and she had a very yeah unstable situation over there and we took her in and uh, uh yeah she's basically the she, she works extremely hard and um, she's the backbone of, of, of this product also and and just to yeah just to to create um, a safe and, and 
uh, yeah, safe environment for uh, together for, for the people uh, whereby they know exactly what they will earn each month. That is that is very valuable, and that you can see people thrive and 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 improve, and and also um, families that are yeah supported and children that can go to school. Uh, it's also a bit of a sometimes a bit of a, a big or a scary responsibility because we need to keep it up. Mm. Um, but what I like about it is, is it yeah it doesn't even have to be so complicated with a nice idea, good design. Uh, and with with the right skills um, and the determination, uh, yeah, we we can we can do all kinds of uh, things, and it can generate many many jobs. Yeah, I, I I'm just so impressed with all the different things that you're doing to create value in in the community and in the process, and and think about the ways you can improve everyday lives for a whole range of people. So I think it's it's um you know got so much potential to carry on changing lives and uh, and as you say stop local um stop fa- fashion waste and clothing waste textile waste killing the local fashion industry and killing nature at the same time which is a mm-hmm. big issue so elmar over the years that you've been working on this what surprised you the most mm-hmm. In, in, a, in a negative or in a positive either, way? either, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think like in the in the last few years, what 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 is what is scary is like I know people that have been trying to fight fast fashion or trying to to solve the problem, and what is what is uh yeah scary is that it is not going slower. And it's also very difficult to 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 make it slower and. And uh, yeah, I, when we when we talk to people, um, I mean, for, from 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 global brands and and anywhere, and the, the, it, everybody is actually doing what they can do, and it, uh, uh, people are very good people. But the the, the overall system and, and the, the the final result, a lot of textiles and waste and shoes in the rivers in Kenya behind the second-hand clothing markets. And yeah, it's something that is just like, yeah, it, it's a complex, uh, a very complex challenge. And it's it's not that easy to just point at, at, at consumers or fashion brands that do not uh, design circular products or do not take care of the end of life of their items. And it's also governments and uh, regulations uh, that this can happen. and. Um, and of course, everybody has this 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 responsibility, and we can all easily point to other people as the, the main uh, problem or the main aggressor. But eventually, it's just like uh, yeah, we're still here. And um, I thought uh, also I would I would get a bit more support from all kinds of angles. Uh, to be honest, and uh, it's yeah, yeah, we need to we need to convince people in in the way uh, in, in yeah in certain ways that resonates with them and i think a lot of people in the fashion industry and in the chain they they think that they are actually supporting even as a, as a fashion designer you can say like i'm 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 making feel uh, i make feel make people feel good or make feel, people feel sexy and and i i make people can wear now to to express themselves and um so and, and also the collectors and the sorters, we, we keep 
uh, items away from the landfills. Um, the government, uh, we facilitate uh, waste and we manage waste. And everybody is doing actually something good, but 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 the end result is 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 horrible. And I think there is only a few people that have seen it. And also, if, if you want to read more about it, it's uh, the, I think um, Greenpeace made a very interesting uh, report. It's called uh, "Poisoned uh, Gifts," uh, with some photos also in them in it. And um, but yeah, what what surprised me the most is that a lot of people, yeah, they 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 they, they say yes, this is horrible, but nothing is is really changing. And yeah, it is it is uh, it's difficult to uh, yeah, to to step up or to mm, because yeah, there's just so, about so many things that you that you need to change, many of which you have no control over. And if, yeah. I think it, it sort of fits the definition of a wicked problem, doesn't it? You know, no, no one solution, mm. multifaceted, um, yeah. lots of people involved and, and so on. Yeah, um, no, so if you were talking to somebody and, you know, telling them about the circular economy and they were wanting to start something that was more circular or take their existing business in a more circular direction, what top tip would you share with them? Yeah, so... Yeah, a, a bit more on a positive note, and also related to your previous question, because I think what what is what is so interesting about it is that we we, we about our journey, uh, and even though we were uh, very, it has been very frustrating, but it's also what what I like about, also so much about it is that we just started something, and a lot of things along the way sort of felt in 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 their places or in place, and. Um, so, for example, sometimes we 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 collect materials, and then uh, all of a sudden there is someone interested in that waste stream. And so, for example, we were accumulating a lot of uh, Kenyan-made shoes, um, and these are the shoes that are from, from school uniforms and um, very with a, very with a heavy uh, black uh, rubber sole. And uh, we we thought that yeah, there's no no one interested in that, and all of a sudden there's a there's a person interested in that that would like to do something with the rubber, and also, um, with 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 the uniforms. At some point we had uh, a con nature conservation organization. It's, it's an elephant orphanage um, that uh, wanted to do something good with their uniforms. But they were also very skeptical, like, what, what are you going to do with our uniforms? Because we don't want poachers to walk around in these uniforms. You need to tell us immediately, straight away, what you're going to do with those uniforms. And then um, so within a week, we thought, like, OK, let's just make backpacks out of that. And then uh, that was quite a success. And now they are buying back all those uh, backpacks. So that became our service, uh, which, we, which we haven't thought of before we started but we are now offering service to to big companies with a lot of uniforms give us your uniforms and we make a relational relational gifts or we we make items for you that you can sell in your gift shop um and and the nice thing is it's already in their branding their logos are everywhere so so it's actually a very logical thing to do so some things that came along uh, that were very, yeah, very inspiring and 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 yeah, also business models and income streams that we 
didn't take into account when we when we started and when we drew up this plan uh, eight or nine years ago. So that is something that is uh, to come back to your question. I think um, uh, yeah, it just start and 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 it doesn't have to be perfect because the world is very linear thinking and and I think you can easily uh, shoot at people that are starting to do something circular and then uh, yeah bash them and say yeah but your packaging is not circular or this is not circular and what happens with that and yeah and it can be very discouraging um but yeah not not moving is not an option and um things yeah you need to repair the wheel when you're driving and that is uh so that is, that would be my tip just start somewhere and then uh, see where it goes because uh, we don't have time to figure everything out into the yeah and to try and come up with a a perfect solution and i think you know you made a good point about um when when constraints are there that's when people have um the great ideas isn't it like the backpacks from the uniform so constraints can sometimes be a be a creative advantage and elmar who would you recommend as a future guest for the program um we look at um, N- Nkuo from Nigeria. Uh, it's a lady, there's a designer, but she's also doing all kinds of training programs. And I think uh, what I like about what she's doing is, is she really knows how to uplift the value of, of materials that are, used to be trash. So like really flipping it from... Um, from the dustbin on, on, onto the runway. Um, so NKO, that is N-K-W-O, um, from Nigeria. I think um, I really would like what she's doing. And I think she, yeah, she, she, can, she has a strong opinion uh, about many things. Uh, I also really like what um, um, designer also, it's called I am Isigo. Uh, I think she, her, her name is Isigo, but um, also very interesting how she uses the traditional crafts and uh, and yeah history and and yeah recreating very interesting uh, uh, fashion pieces um, and maybe I, I have to also mention and more on the activism side and they do amazing work in in getting the word out on this on this fashion waste issue is uh, the Or Foundation in uh, Ghana, they are uh, very active in Ghana. They have very broad um, scope also and many programs all related to um, the fashion waste uh, issues uh, that are created in uh, Accra in the continental market in Ghana. Definitely uh, uh, yeah, very, very powerful uh, organization. Thank you. I'll, I'll look all of those up and I'll email you if I can't, um, if I haven't spelt the, um... The names right that I've been jotting down. So thank you, Elmar. And how can people find out more and get in touch? Um, yeah, just go to our website, africacollecttextiles.com. Um, there's a lot of pictures on our Instagram, also Africa Collect Textiles. Um, I think these two places, also our YouTube channel. We we by now we have quite a number of, of movies, uh, sometimes made by other organizations, but uh also on youtube there are quite some nice movies about us great stuff so i'll put all those links in the show notes at circular and thanks elmar 
it sounds as if you've been extremely busy over the last 10 years or so, starting to solve a really complex range of problems because um, there are so many things still to untangle and um, and improve. Uh, I suspect you could be there for years and years and years helping people create more value and providing secure and meaningful jobs for people, which is incredibly important too. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I was impressed by the range of initiatives and interventions that Elmar and the ACT team have got going, including a system for resellers that improves on the reseller system for imported textiles, providing higher quality, less risk, better value and improved accessibility. ACT is working with local businesses to repurpose uniforms and other textiles, ideally into something that the donor company can reuse itself. For example, backpacks, textiles for furnishings, and so on. ACT has also set up and is expanding collection systems to encourage local people to donate their unwanted clothes. There's also an online shop selling everything from soft toys to cushions, rugs, aprons, and more. All of these are upcycled by ACT. There are some export options for the shop for Europe, unfortunately not yet for the UK. On top of this, ACT is helping conserve and improve important skills like weaving, design and tailoring. Elmar explained just a few of the issues created by the massive levels of textile waste imported to Africa from other countries. All of it is B quality, after the best stuff has already been sold by the brand or the sorter. So there's very little value left for the resellers in Africa. On top of that, there's no proper way to dispose or recycle those textiles, meaning they end up polluting the soil and water for local communities and nature. It's a stark reminder of how linear the textile system is, with very little in the way of circularity at the end of use stage. I was shocked to realise how, over time, the high volume of fashion waste exported to Africa has undermined the existing local textile and clothing industry. What ACT is doing, creating a circular economy for locally produced clothes and textile products, feels really important, helping to keep that sector going, to conserve and protect all those skills and jobs. So that wraps up this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you to our guest this week, Elmar Strumer of Africa Collect Textiles, ACT. You can find out more about Elmar and ACT at africacollecttextiles.com and check out all the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. I believe we can all help make the circular economy happen through the choices we make at work and in our everyday lives. Buying pre-used, keeping what we have for longer, repairing it and making sure it has another life. Those choices send strong signals to companies and governments, making it clear we all want a better, circular and regenerative future. We can all help spread the word too. Talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. 
Email a screenshot of your review to podcast at rethinkglobal.info and we'll give you a shout out on the show. We've made it easier for you to find episodes on the key circular economy strategies or for a market sector or specific countries. Check out our interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at circulareconomypodcast.com and every episode includes an interview transcript. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one and two or buy a copy of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. It takes you through the concepts and practicalities with hundreds of real examples from all around the world. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you succeed with circular. You can find information on our talks, workshops, coaching and advice and circular economy resources at rethinkglobal.info or connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn.